Inspiration now in session. Inspire guys, people. My wife thinks I'm crazy. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher, let me inspire you. Guys, people, I see you, let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggled to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your genes. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. Speaking of purpose, your purpose is like a hidden treasure. Yep, hidden purpose. I ain't wasting no time today. I'm jumping right in this thing. Look, I was kicking it with Tiff the other day, and we're, you know, seven years into a renewed mindset in the way we look at our life and, you know, the way that we've tried to grow in Christ as the foundation and, you know, think through how we live our lives financially, uh, education-wise, all these things. And what I'm learning is that it's a process. Look, you're going to be on this journey called life, hopefully, for a long time, Lord's willing. And I think sometimes we get so caught up into like trying to just get to where we going that we lose track of the fact that, hey, man, you got to take this one day at a time. What did I tell y'all? My new little uh, tagline, 1,000 little things. You're going to hear it just like you always hear about process on this show. We're going to be talking about 1,000 little things. Talked about it before. But we have to condition our minds to know that it's not about trying to jump to the end of your journey, in the end of your book, in the end of your life. It's about all of the little things that you do to get to where God is taking you. So I told my wife, you know, as we were kicking it, this thought just popped in my mind. I'm like, think about the idea of movies you may have seen growing up or in the past, or just this whole idea of searching for a hidden treasure. What's intriguing about it is the treasure is so valuable to people. Th listen to it. Listen to what I'm about to say. It's so valuable that they can be digging for 20 years and never find it. But they will still keep looking because they know what the possibility is in the treasure that they're searching for. They choose like spending 20 years and not finding it versus just not even trying. And I think what happens in this life is that there are so many of us that don't understand the value of purpose and the value of actually activating the purpose in your life. So what's happening is we're making the decision, I'm just not going to dig. Like, I ain't even going to look for it. And here's the crazy thing. If you don't dig, you're for sure not going to find it. Like if you don't look for it, if you ain't like proactive and motivated in it, oh, you're going to spend your whole life and you never even tapped into the potential. Now, here's the reason why people don't want to search. People don't want to search for purpose because they're afraid that they're not going to find it. 
And what you have sometimes made your mind think is that it's better, if I ain't going to find it anyway, it's better to not even search for it. And we, we trick ourselves into thinking like, yeah, no, that's far-fetched, so I'd rather not try. So you choose the 100% for sure option where you don't find purpose by not looking. But if you understand the value of the treasure, you will dig. And here's the crazy thing, man. I'm really at this point in my life so serious. I would rather dig and not find anything than to not dig at all. That's crazy. Look, I'm tripping at like, I'm really tripping that I've grown to this point, like for real. And this is taking 1,000 little things, 1,000 verses, 1,000 scriptures, 1,000 conversations about the Lord, 1,000, you know, brainstorming sessions and books. And like, this is a culmination of years worth of stuff. And I ain't even scratched the surface yet. That's why I'm so hyped. Because I'm like, Lord, I haven't even scratched the surface. Look, I'm just being real with y'all. I'm such a grown man from where I was in my life if you just go 10 years ago. But I feel like I'm not even half the man that I'm going to be. And I'm saying this and sharing this transparency with y'all because I want people to understand why I'm doing this show, how important it is to me, what it genuinely means to me in my soul. Purpose has literally changed my life. Like, I'm not the same person. And I have so much further to go. And because I see the value in the possibility of where I can get to in Christ Jesus, I'm still digging. There is value in purpose. Why? Why is there value in purpose, Jermaine? Okay, let me, let me put it to you like this. Imagine you were a train, okay? Imagine God built you to be a train, right? Here's the crazy thing about a a train. If you put a train next to a bus, they kind of look the same and almost kind of do the same thing. But if the train is focused on the bus and comparing itself to the bus and they're on a street, the train will be frustrated because it's out of purpose. The train was not created to be on a street because it doesn't have the type of wheels that a bus or a car has. So as long as you're a train and you're looking at buses and cars on your left and right, and you're looking like, I look kind of like them. I should be where they at. I should be able to move how they move. And you're frustrated. And so you just spend your entire life in the middle of a street, not being able to move the way God created you to move. Imagine that same train finding its way to a track. All of a sudden, the train can get on the track and move smooth and stop smooth. It can go faster. It can get to the destination that it was created to go on. It's now on the right path. The train is now in purpose. What am I saying to you, man? You don't belong there. Listen, some of us grow up in the hood. Some of us grow up in families that are abusers of drugs or physical abusers. Listen, we all have a past. And what happens is sometimes your past 
can create a false identity of what your, your future is supposed to be. And so because you grew up around buses, you don't realize I'm a train. Like I'm different. I know I look like them. I know that if you stand in back far enough, it might look like I was supposed to be a thug too, or take this path or end up in jail or whatever. But I'm telling you, like, I'm not that. Am I saying I'm better than somebody? No, but I know I'm different. We got to get out of this mentality of it's kind of like survivor's remorse, right? You, you grow up around a bunch of buses and you like, man, these buses ain't going nowhere. And I'm using bus as a metaphor. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever it is, I'm growing up around these, you know, these people or this situation and people ain't going nowhere. People don't want nothing. They don't have no motivation in life. And because of this false humility, some people literally convince themselves to stay because it would look bad if I grew and left people who don't want to grow. And I'm telling y'all, man, you, you have to get to this point in life where you don't let people stop you from becoming what God created you to be. And we have to let God be God. If God grows me past a situation, um, I have to be like, look, it's time for me to move on. It's time for me to go to a new neighborhood, a new city, or new wherever. And I still love everyone that's there. But look, I know I'm a train. I know that I have to get on my path. And Yes, I want to give back. Yes, I never want to forget where I came from. But think about it. I don't want to forget where I came from, but I also don't want to always be where I came from. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to forget mistakes I made or the person I was or, you know, look down on other people who may be where I was at one point in life. But I also don't want to stay there just to make people comfortable. Like, oh, yeah, I used to be a drug abuser, but I don't want to leave this halfway house. Um, in this home where all the other people still struggling because I feel bad that I'm no longer at it. Listen to what I'm saying. You cannot have this mentality that I'm going to stay where I'm at because I don't want to grow. You literally are trying to play God when you do that because God is sovereign. He is in control and you have to let God deal with the people around you because you can't force people to be motivated. You can't force them to change. And some of us are trying so hard to turn buses into trains that we never go to our own track. And all I'm saying at the end of the day is I just did that because I know y'all wasn't expecting it. Now time for a brief commercial break. Sometimes the hardest thing to be in this world is yourself. When you're trying to become something that you've never seen before. And this world is full of darkness and evil distractions that the enemy has sent to discourage you from ever achieving your greatness. But in Christ Jesus, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is purpose. There is righteousness. There is faith. Inspiration is greater than entertainment. This is my purpose. Inspire God's people. Back to my point. Listen, the truth doesn't have to sound exciting to be the truth. You get what I mean? Like if I got $5 in my pocket, no matter how I say it, no matter if I'm like, shh, shh, wait, watch this. Wait a minute. Let me say this. I have $5. 
Look, we get so caught up sometimes as believers in trying to have a splashy way that we say something that we don't want to tell people like, hey, faith without works is dead. Or you literally can't live a life as a believer and please God without having faith and without trusting him. And if you look throughout his word all the time, he had people operating in faith. People that didn't necessarily know exactly how they were going to do every little part of what God called them to do, but they did it sometimes step by step. You know what I mean? Sometimes Moses, you got to keep going back to God. Like, okay, what'd you say about this one? Like, oh, what are we going to do now? And the problem is we get these false teachers now that just want to tell us something to excite us and get our money. And so it sounds all good in the moment, I want, I want y'all to think about something. Your purpose is beyond the moment. Like, this show ain't about me just saying stuff to get you all juiced up while you driving in your car or cleaning up your house or, you know, those are just some of the things I've heard, like people have told me, you know, how they listen or whatever. So I appreciate y'all, whatever you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Keep on doing what you do. But regardless of what you're doing, I don't want to just get you hyped right now. It, it ain't about that. And, and so I think things can become so perverted when you try to just, you know, create this big entertaining moment because you a preacher and you don't want it to feel like, oh, man, they not reacting. So I don't want it to seem like I ain't preaching about nothing because we know that's how it be sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes preachers, they just telling you, hey, you're going to be a millionaire. So you can be like, ah, run around and scream and then they can collect the money. So. It may not be what you want to hear about finding your purpose, but I can tell you this. If you don't look for something, you ain't going to find it. You lose those car keys, you lose your phone, you ain't just going to not look and expect to find it. You feel me? Thank you. It's time to go. This is part two of my interview with Lavelle. Okay, so yes, it's true. I think you actually made reference to it in another show. But yes, so my father is Arabic. Uh, I've never met him. I don't know anything about the Arabic culture. It's really interesting. I don't know. I don't know how to. It was amazing that I was able to even get the accent right. Gotcha. I don't know anything about, I don't know, not one word of Arabic. Wow. I don't know anything about the Arabic culture. My father um, met my mom. He was 18. She was 15. They were young, which still blows my mind. And, and it's funny because I, um, I was in my late 30s when okay. I finally asked my mother what happened. I was like, Mom, what? What happened? How did, you know, because it's wow. just, my mother is, is black. Yeah. My father is Arabic. Like, how did that happen in the hood? You know, that was just. Yeah. So did you, I, real quick, did you want, like, did you, were you not ready to know sooner? Is that why you waited? I don't know how to answer that question. Okay. I don't know if it was that I didn't want to know. I I, I don't think I really too much cared. Okay. You know, if that, if that makes no, sense. No, I get that. I just didn't really care. But I guess as I got older, it it began you to, started to care. Yeah, it, it became, okay. I became much more curious, like, what happened? Just really, honestly, just to know from my mother's side, like, what happened? Yeah. 
So what happened was, just long story short, he worked at Chrysler. My grandfather worked at Chrysler. He was here by himself in the United States. My grandfather started liking him and inviting him over for dinner. So he would come over for dinner. My grandmother would cook and him and my mother just started kicking it. And uh, I still don't understand how a 15 year old with an 18 year old, but the way my grandmother was, I, I don't get it. But anyway, it happened. Right. She ended up getting pregnant with me at 15. She had me at 16. So this is what she said happened. She said six months in, I was six months old and he was going back to Saudi Arabia to visit his family. Wow. And he, he, he wanted to take me with him. My grandmother said no in a very, uh, choice way if you right. know what I'm saying <laughs> and uh, so he went and they had a prearranged wedding for him wow so he came back married man and he still wanted to kick it with my mother and my mother said no you're married I'm not kicking it with you but you are free to see your son and I guess because he couldn't have her he decided that he didn't really want to be a part of my life either now what's the most interesting thing is that this man was married and i'm sure he had children which means i literally have brothers and sisters somewhere nieces nephews a whole other family that i literally know nothing about so you're raised you're growing up in the inner city of detroit Mm -hmm. as a half arabic half african-american male raised by an African-American mother. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious as you were growing up, you obviously never knew your father and, you know, didn't even start asking questions until you were 30s. Mm-hmm. But, okay, you, you clearly look different. Mm-hmm. So did you ever ask questions about why you look different or anything like that? Or I, did anyone ever say anything? Well, most people knew I looked different, but back then it was black, white, and Mexican. There were, there were right. no such thing as Arabic. Right. Nobody knew anything <laughs> right. else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think everybody just kind of assumed I was part Hispanic. Yeah. And, uh, but the, the term Arabic never came up, you know, back in the seventies and early eighties, it just was, people I think assumed that I was Hispanic and the, the most distinguishing detail was my hair. For sure. Yeah. It was, it was very different. Now it's, I mean, it's still different now, but it was, I, I, yeah, I saw I, your baby you saw pictures. The pictures. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like literally, like, like this naturally curly yeah. fro that I. <laughs> yeah, you had you had some dope hair. I ain't gonna hate. You know, you had some dope hair. Um, and other kids on the block used to take dirt and like pour it in my hair. Like wow, that's yeah. So you were made fun of for this excellent feature. <laughs> right, it's, it's, life is interesting <laughs> to me. Like just how things like being different. Yeah. You know, that's just like a sidebar. Being different sometimes is looked down upon mm. if you're around people who don't understand your difference. And, right. and we're talking about natural differences. Like right. God made you that way with that hair. Like mm-hmm. that was the natural way you were born. So, mm-hmm. okay, great. So at what point did you find out specifically that you were half Arabic though? Uh, I had seen pictures. So I don't remember what age I was, but okay. it probably was somewhere in my late teens. It was somewhere in my late teens where I found out that my father was actually Arabic and I didn't really feel the need to tell anybody that, <laughs> which, which makes you completely hilarious to me because it's almost like, all right, here's what's funny to me. It's almost like 
Like you never say, like you never told me I had to like kind of identify it. And like you don't tell people. I told you through the skit, man. Now, let me ask you this though, in all seriousness. Is there a part of you that doesn't want people to know? Wow. I've never asked you this. I'm you know, that just is curious. a really good question. Um now I don't care. Okay. But I think before, yeah, I think I wanted to consider myself one hundred percent African American. Because my mother's African-American and the side of the family that raised me. I was never raised around Arabic people. I don't know anything about them at all. I remember this is a very funny story. I was at Eastland Mall. And when I was deciding to propose to my wife, uh, I, saw, I told my mom, I said, I want to uh, look for some rings. And we were actually cutting through Eastland and there was a ring store. And I would never buy a ring from there. I just happened to, I just wanted to look at some right. rings. And my mother and I walked Make in it the plain. St- <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I spent the best on you. I got a combo, a wing and rings. <laughs> <laughs> I got chicken and a wedding ring, baby. Ah, can't beat that. Right. So we walk into this, this Arabic old jewelry store in Eastland. And when I walked in, there were a few other people in there. Not a lot. There was a couple other people in there. And I remember the, the, the guy that worked there, the Arabic guy. He looked at me and was like, you are Arabic. Wow. And I'm looking like, hold it down, dog. Hold it down. <laughs> uh, uh, can you show me some rings? I went right, right to the point. You know, it was just really So you funny. never you never confirmed? Um, well, he pressed it. So I was like, yeah, my father's Arabic. I told him the name. He talked about helping me find him and all that stuff, which is impossible because my father's name, um, he has an Arabic name, but but his name is equivalent to John Smith. So that right. would be like somebody coming over here from Italy right. saying, can you, and literally walking up to you and say, can you help me find John Smith? Right. It's like there are millions of John Smiths. Yeah. That, my, grandf- my father's name, which is Abdul Nasser, which is a very, very common name. Abdul is a very, very common name. Okay. Um. Yeah. So anyway, I very quickly cut that conversation short because there's no way he could have been able to help me find him just because he's Arabic. That's like saying walking up to a black guy saying, "Help me find uh, somebody." You are you know. very stereotypical today. <laughs> help me find who Jermaine. Now my name is typical. <laughs> no, like okay. So look, so we have you know the situation that you're now being raised by a single mother. Mm-hmm. I'm curious with all of this stuff going on, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You never met your father, mm-hmm. like, and I know you, and you know I'm not. You know, it's not like you're perfect, right? We're all human. We have all these things. But what's interesting to me is how you became, you know, a man of God. Like, mm-hmm. like how, how did you, how do you, what led you to salvation? How, mm-hmm. how do you get saved from this route? I'm, you know, I don't necessarily want to try to peel back every layer of maybe mm-hmm. what you might have dealt with, um, just with, you know, the type of lifestyle of, of, of never knowing your, your father or, you know, really being able to see him in person mm-hmm. and what that could do to someone. It seems like to me that a person could kind of end up being bitter. Mm. And I would understand why that would make someone bitter. Mm-hmm. In my years of knowing you, it it doesn't seem like you're bitter mm-hmm. unless it's something you internally fight and don't talk about. But it, you don't seem bitter. Mm-hmm. And, you know you've been saved for a long time. And I'm just curious, you know, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, maybe you did deal with bitterness and you gave it to the Lord or, Mm -hmm. you know, how does salvation play a part 
into develop you, developing you into who you are today, mm-hmm. you know, with this situation, that's a, it's an unsolved mystery, right? <laughs> Sometimes we talk about things and it's easy to talk about it when you've crossed the finish line. You're mm-hmm. like, I found my father and then everyone comes out with the story about how, because it's a great story that ends well, but, you know, you, you still don't know who your father is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you have to live for God. How does this work? Okay, well, let me first say this, and, you know, since you said I'm being stereotypical, this is about to sound very terrible. Okay. But it's just the truth. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, no I apologize in advance. I'm but so nervous. I I fit in so well on my block because none of the, most of me, not, I'm not say none, 90% of my friends that I grew up with didn't know who their fathers were. Wow. So I literally fit in with Man, them. That's deep. Yeah, it is. And I and I hate to say that. Now we did have my godfather. He was a very strong presence in the life of my two best friends coming up. Uh like literally, he was he was there. He was pretty much the father of the neighborhood because wow. I don't I can't think of any of my other friends in the neighborhood who actually knew their fathers. So for you, it was never abnormal exactly. to not have a father. Right. But and it's weird because it almost worked to your advantage mm. because it, it wasn't something that you had to be walking around feeling insecure about. Okay, right. that makes sense. Yep. So now as far as salvation, okay, so just to kind of shorten the version up, uh, my grandmother was saved. She, you know, she was always singing gospel songs around the house, always going to church. My mother uh, became in this searching stage. So we started going to all kinds of churches, Catholic. They, they grew up in like Catholic schools, so they were, we would go to Catholic churches. Oh, he's just doing anything spiritually, huh? Dude, like seriously, she was. Like, no, no joke. No, really. Like, <laughs> flip no. a coin. Wait, no, 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 wait. Hear me out. We went to Catholic church, Jehovah's Witnesses halls. What? Like, my mother was in this searching stage. I remember she had these, like, <laughs> this is Mama gonna... Neil? Yeah. You, you my homegirl. I, I didn't know this about you. I didn't know we were going to be learning this about you. Well, what's the year it is, though? You, you might want to separate yourself from her. But she, I remember she had these witchcraft books. Oh, my God. Under her, under this chest in the room, and, and these um, uh, uh, lottery books that <laughs> interpret dreams. It was like it's all kind of really. On right now. It really was weird stuff. She was in this searching stage. And, um,. I remember I was not I was nine years old and she ended up getting saved. And the way she got saved was because our cousin, Bishop Michael Jones, um, at the time he had a like a really small storefront church over on the east side, and he had this woman preacher there. My mother had never heard of a woman preacher before. So she went to this revival and heard this woman preacher, and it was the last night, and they said that this woman was gonna be at the Trinity Deliverance Church starting the next week. So that's how my mother went to Trinity, which is the church your aunt uh, wow. went to. So she um, went to the church to hear this woman preacher, and she ended up getting saved. And when my mother got saved, I literally saw a difference. As a nine-year-old kid, I remember eight, nine, seven, going, you know, going back to six yeah. years. I remember her coming in the house two, three o'clock in the morning, smelling like weed and cigarette smoke and wow. alcohol. And then to get, to Mama see, Neil. yeah, see, to I see her, see it. <laughs> right. And, and actually that speaks to her because, you know, we all have a past. We all, none of us were no, born 100%. saved, but to see, for you to say that shows that she really did that's what, change. That's what you know? salvation is. But yes, yeah, exactly. It's literally a 180 degree turn around. And I saw that as a kid. I, I, 
I don't remember after nine years old her coming in the house two or three in the morning. I don't remember her smelling like weed and, and alcohol anymore. I literally saw a change. And at some point, she threw away the witchcraft lottery books. Yes, I actually remember when she threw those away. Oh, wow. Okay. I do. I actually Praise remember God. when she threw I was those wait, away. I was waiting on the, uh, <laughs> the testimony on that one, brother. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help us. Yeah, so she got rid of all of that stuff, and, and she really went hard for God, and I saw that. And uh, I think one of the things that shook me up is she told me because I I'm her I was her only son, and she made a statement to me. She said, "I will not go to hell for anyone, including you." Wow! And in my I, I don't remember you the context, bad right? Child, <laughs> I don't what? remember what the no context no no. It don't matter what was. the con- <laughs> what could you have done as a nine year old Lavelle. <laughs> What were you doing with those Legos? Your mother was tired. Go ahead, my brother. Because uh, I, I remember she wanted to go to church all the time. And I was very irritated. As a 10, 11-year-old, I did not want to be in church. Hmm. Man, I God, I'm not even like going to say that much. I didn't want to be in church, period. I wanted to stay and play with my friends. That's what I wanted to do. A nine-year-old atheist. Yeah. So so when does the story turn? Like I'm, I want to well, get to the part where you're safe because okay. right now I'm not seeing. You're uncomfortable? No, I'm, no, I'm not uncomfortable. Oh. It's just that you're already a person that's borderline to me anyway. <laughs> and so I really want to know what led you to Christ so that I could be sure that you're saved. You're on this show now. Are you saved, Lavelle? Okay, first of all, make up your mind. Because you say I'm the churchiest guy you know. Now you're saying I'm borderline. Churchy, that's just religious. Ah! Woo! We're ready for that. I wasn't. You got me on that one, Doug. All right. So anyway, she made that statement to me because she said, you should want to be in church every time the doors are open. I'm like, please, you know, keep the door shut, Doc. Right. The doors of the church are now shut. Don't open that. Don't open it. Right. So anyway, um, now I'm going through my 12, 13, 14, 15. Now I'm 16 years old. This is where it all changed. I'm going to give my testimony. I'm going to try to be brief. If I go too long, just go ahead and cut me off. Mm-hmm. But don't cut me off because it's a good story. So <laughs> I'm 16 you. years old. I don't know. And I'm, I'm going I'm to have to tell my age here. But there was a show on called In Living Color. Okay. Yep. Keenan Ivory Wayans produced a show. Um, Part of your testimony. I loved that show. Okay. My favorite show. And it came on on Sunday nights. So I remember when I turned 16, my mother wouldn't. She made me go to Sunday morning service, but she stopped making me go to Sunday night services. Before I was 16, I had to go to every single Friday night, whatever right. it was. But this particular um, age, she said, okay, well, you don't have to go to night service. So I stay home from night service to watch and live in color. This was in December of, of 1990. This is not a surprise. Go All ahead. right. So stay at home from church <laughs> to watch cussing, sinning. <laughs> Parents out there, please don't allow your kids to take the path of Lavelle. Carry on, my brother. So my boy came over from next door and asked me to walk up to the store with him. I had about 30 minutes before the show came on. I said, cool. So I walked to the store with him. Long story short, there were some guys that were standing outside the store that wanted to fight him. So we went in. I didn't know. I didn't know this. We went in. He bought. He got what he got. But then he went. I walked out the store thinking he was behind me. But he went in the back of the store to play video games. And these four guys were standing outside. One of them literally walked up to me and slapped me. Literally. Four guys. One of them walked up to me and he slapped me. Okay. And then I looked down, I was like, man, why you slapped me? And his boy said, hit him again. So as he walked up, I balled up my fist. I was like, I'm about to take him. Now, I wasn't no great fighter, but I, I wasn't, you and you already smacked me again. Right. 
Then the second one stepped up. And I'm like, I could take two. Then the third one stepped up. I'm like, okay, I, 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 might, have to first play, I might have to take three. Then the fourth one stepped up. Now it's wow. four on one. So I took off running. And I ran. There was this church on the corner. And I ran over to the church. I used to go there for the uh, vacation Bible school free lunches. But anyway, um, and <laughs> I went there. inside. They were having service. And I asked one of the deacons because they knew me. I said, can I run here if anything happens? He's like, yeah. So I went back to get my boy because they were there for him. And I remember I was in this alley and across the street, across Mac, I could see the store. I could see my boy in the back of the store and I'm yelling, don't come out of the store. And the four guys took off running. Two went one way, two went the other way. So I'm like, oh, cool. They bet they ran away. What they did was they were running around to ambush me. Wow. So one of the guys had a stick. You, boy, this is a true story. This is a true story. So one of the guys had a stick in his hand. And he ran. I heard him and I turned around. He ran up to me. He swung the stick, but I caught it under my arm. And I yanked it out of his hand. And when he turned around, I, I knocked him down. And I walked up to him and I raised my fist up to punch him. And he, he started crying. He was like, please don't hit me. Please don't hit me, man. They made me do it. And Mercy shouldn't have kicked in right there, but it did. Boy, so, so I soft. let him go. I did. Yeah, I did. I'll be honest. Soft I as butter. <laughs> I keep my butter in the freezer. <laughs> So I raised up my fist to hit him, and when he said that, I let him go, and I heard his boys coming, and when I turned to run, he tripped me. So I fell, and all four of them jumped on me. They literally were beating me in the middle of an alley. He I picked up the stick. I literally never knew this. Are you serious? I thought I told you this You before. have never told me this. This no, is so ridiculous. Funny. This is my testimony. This is how I got saved. So the one guy beat me with the stick. The other two step. The other three are stepping on me, beat kicking you to me. salvation. And, <laughs> and then one of them was a little, he was a little boy. He was short, very short. And uh, he picked up an a empty 64-ounce beer bottle. And I, the last thing I remember is he threw it. It didn't have the top on. And to this day, that's why you don't drink. <laughs> right. <laughs> when he threw it, all I heard was the sound of the air, and it hit me in the head. It didn't break, but it knocked me out. I don't know how long I was out. I think it was only a few seconds. But when I woke up, they were gone, and I was laying freezing cold in this alley with blood coming out of my forehead, eyes bruised, mouth bleeding. I just was like, wow. I was 16. So I, I remember I got up, and I stumbled over to the church. They called my aunt, who because the church was right on my block. It was a couple houses. My house was a couple houses down. My aunt didn't go to church because she was on her way to work midnight. So she called my mother from church. My mother came home and she took care of me. She's a nurse or whatever. And I remember I kept saying to myself, this was mid-December, 1990. And I kept saying to myself, if I had been at church, this wouldn't happen. Wow. I kept saying that to myself. So watch night comes, which is New Year's Eve. I tell my mother, I want to go to church with you. So I go to church with her. We was there. We were at church. And I remember it was 1155 and I was just sitting there thinking about my life. And my pastor at the time, um, he went up and he's like, you know what? We just going to praise the new year and just everybody just start praising God. And everybody around me was praising God except me. I was watching everybody. I was just sitting there looking. And I kept saying to myself, we've been going to this church since I was nine. I'm 16 now. Said these people are real. They, I mean, you know, they, of course, some had issues or whatnot, but they were right. real. They really loved God. Right. And I said, I want that. And I remember I said, God, now I know this was a crazy prayer to pray, but it, I was 16. This was what I said. I said, okay, Nothing God. is going to surprise us at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so just go ahead. I said, God, I want you to come into my life and save me. 
And I said, if you keep me saved for one year, I promise you I will live for you the rest of my life. And wow. when I opened my eyes, it the clock had struck 12. I was brand new. It was a new year. I was a new person. I literally felt God. You know what I hear in this story? This is literally the male black and Arabic Cinderella. <laughs> this we can take this. This is a play, man. You can take this. You can take this and put it on a stage play and make millions. All right. Excellent story. So now you're saved. Mm -hmm. I want to end it with this. Okay. You give your life to Christ mm -hmm. and you know. Now you're on this path. God has blessed you. You're married now and all those things. Mm -hmm. And you're on this show. Mm. That's a blessing, man. <laughs> you are blessed, my brother. This was the end game. This was it, brother. <laughs> you ain't, hey, this is it. Nah, I'm joking. No, nah, we, we appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. Um, excellent story. My goal with even talking about that is to hope that someone can see, because... Uh, and, and this may be a little odd, may sound odd, mm. but when we watch a movie, mm -hmm. it always ends like, like things have closure, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes people struggle to live a life serving God because they don't have closure in personal areas of their lives. Mm. And when I heard your story, you know, however long ago, whatever, whatever point you started sharing things with me as I got to know you, um, it was always interesting to me because it's like, what do you do when there is no closure? You mm -hmm. still live for God. And that's the beauty of living for God. Um, before we get out of here, mm -hmm. just talk a little bit about what you do now, just briefly, um, with Neil Down Productions and what you got going on next. How can people get in contact with you? Okay, so real quick, I uh, when I was in high school, I wanted to be an actor. I, I Let me take that back. I was in the band. I played the trumpet. And we were, um, we were playing. We were, we would, the band would play for the stage productions that they would do at Southeastern High School. And I remember they were doing... Um, Raising in the Sun, and we were playing for them. But I remember I, I kept getting in trouble with the band teacher because I was always in the back watching the actors. So mm. the next year, my 11th grade year, I auditioned for this play called Pearly Victorious by Ozzie Davis. Sounds a little, uh, and, uh, I don't know. Sounds a little <laughs> questionable to me. But go ahead, Pearly Victorious. Uh, yeah, I, need a, and, I need some masculinity in that well, name, my well, brother. Well, what the play is about is about this, this, um, this, so white, suspect. Just white keep going. slave owner, and I had to play his son because oh, Lord, we us. only had like two white kids in the school, and I was so light, and none of them, neither one of them wanted to. This act. show gets more stereotypical and <laughs> racist by the moment. It's true. I mean, no, I went to Southeastern High School in the hood. It was only we only had two white students at our school. Neither one of them wanted to act, so I was light skinned, so I had to play the white plant. Forgive me, guys, people. <laughs> I don't even believe in race. I believe in the human race. Amen. Amen. But after this conversation, my mind might be changed. Maybe. <laughs> no, go ahead. So anyway, that was how I got into acting. I did that play and uh, everybody loved it. And the next year they cast me as Ebenezer Scrooge without audition. I just thought I was the bomb actor. So I started acting. I got a part of Perilous Times. I just knew I was just like the bomb actor. But then I went back to school. Because I said, while I'm waiting on God to bless me, let me do something. Let me occupy till he comes. And so I went back, I went to college and I got my degree in theater. And then I had the idea to start my own production company. And I remember my pastor said to me, she said, you're always a part of everybody else's plays. Why don't you write your own play? And that was what made me write Issues of Blood. 
and I put it under my production company. I went and started my production. I had the, the idea for Kneel Down Productions, um, but I wanted to make it official. So I opened a business account, got the LLC and all of that stuff and uh, made it official. And yeah, so now I have Kneel Down Productions. We've done um, my play Issues of Blood twice. And I'm still in the process. I got a little behind because of marriage. You know, I got married and I had to focus on my wife because we only a year in now. <laughs> Praise God. Loving it. But uh, she's actually been on me like, babe, you need to finish writing Hostage. So my plan is to finish writing that and hopefully produce that by the end of the year. You all can check out the website. It's www.kneeldownproductions.com. That's N-E-A-L downproductions.com. And all the information on it. We have pictures from Issues of Blood. You actually were um, wrote most of the music for the play Issues of Blood. You know, I wasn't going to pat myself on the back. <laughs> that was actually a, a quite the interesting and challenging uh, task, but I think we came out with some great songs. Absolutely. So, man, I appreciate you. Listen, God's people, you know, I figure Lavelle is on the show, and as we continue to grow this show and progress and, and start doing things, I thought it was important that y'all know who he was and know who you're listening to and know what he's about. And um, I think listen, you just wanted to let them know that I was part Arabic. That was, I think that was your goal. Literally, if you weren't part Arabic, I would not have done this interview. <laughs> I wanted everyone to know that. Um, listen, man, I appreciate you. Guys, people, hit him up at kneeldownproductions.com. Look out for his new play, Hostage, coming whenever he finished writing it. And uh, keep supporting the show, man. What in the world is up with creepy old men? All right. Look, you got to understand, for whatever reason, I have a lot of weird run-ins with dudes over like 60. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it is about me and about them. And I'm not even going to get into all of them because I've had some weird things happen with dudes over 60. Just like we don't click for whatever reason. And it's weird because I always start off like, you know, I was raised to respect my elders. So I always start off as like this humble, like no matter, you know, I'm thrown. It's like I'm still like, I'm. hey, I see an elder and it's like I instantly feel like respecting them as if I was, you know, a young, a young teenager or something. And maybe that's where I'm going wrong. Maybe I'm a little too respectable to old dudes. And so they get disrespectful. And I guess I forget how savage, like just because you old don't mean you not a savage. And I think sometimes in my mind, I see older people and I think like, oh, let me respect you. Hey, let me get the door. Let me do this. And it's like, yo, just because you old don't mean like if you was an idiot when you was young, like you just an older idiot. No, you know what I'm saying? No disrespect. And you know, I keep saying old and 60. It's not really 60. The people I'm talking about is more like 70. You know what I'm saying? So my bad on that. You 60, you ain't old yet. So let me say this first, right? I was on a um, business trip. And as y'all know, like, man, business travel is just, it's boring. I know I told y'all, it's super boring. So you really just trying to find things to do. You know what I'm saying? I'll walk around a store in a minute. I'll see, like, especially I try to have a hotel that's like around a shopping plaza or restaurants or something 
That way I can just kind of get up and do stuff. So that was my situation. And I was, you know, wasting time or whatever because I was there the night before the meeting. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like the meeting is tomorrow. I pretty much got all day today just to like waste time. So I go to the Christian bookstore, you know what I'm saying? And I don't know what it is about the Christian bookstore. I, I apologize for the, you know, being stereotypical or whatever. But when I'm in the Christian bookstore, I automatically just assume everybody's saved. Like, bro, you, like, you just a man or woman of God in my mind. If you in that Christian bookstore, I'm just looking in there like, look at, look at these saints. Look at the saint as the saints go marching in. With my little stereotypical set, look at this righteous man of God. And that don't mean you say. But anyway, that's not even the point. I have a very familiar face, and I know that. Like, literally, I would say almost, it feels like once a week, maybe once a month, realistically. Somebody is asking me, am I somebody else, or they telling me that I look like someone else. So it's like, Okay, cool. That doesn't bother me. Like, I already know that. So I walk in the store and this old dude is like, hey, young man. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> My man look like he about 65, 66 years old. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm mentally like, ah, what's going on? I'm like, hey, how you doing, sir? He's like, come here. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay I'm not, I'm not, I'm no longer grown now. Like, my, my man hit me with the come here. And see, this is where me and old dudes kind of like start having issues with each other. Because like, I'm not your grandson, bro. Here it is. My man hits me off with the, with the, with the come here, young, young man. You know what I'm saying? And, it, and it's like, uh, all right, let's, let, let, let's go over here and see what my man wants. He's like, hey, I know you, right? And here's what makes it weird, y'all. We shaking hands while we're talking. Now, look, I'm not the shake hand while we talk type of dude. Like, I'm really not a touchy, Philly type person. Like, I'm going to just be, you know, keep it 100 with y'all. I don't like touching people I don't know. It's just, like, it's just something about me. Like, I, I'm, I'm cool with a quick handshake, a normal joint. I'm even a hugger if we saw each other or know each other from somewhere before. But if I don't know you, I want to be nice. I want to be cordial. But look, I don't know your hygiene regimen. Like, I don't know what you've been doing with your hands, bro. Like, I might grab a peppermint out my pocket or something and use my hand. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be touching stuff, eating food. Like, I try to wash my hands as much as possible because I'm like, did I just shake somebody's hand? I don't know where this man. You could have just worked on a car, bro. But nevertheless, we shaking hands and we talking. And I'm sitting here like, okay. He like, I know you. And I'm like, mm, no, you don't know me. Now, of course, he don't know I'm from out of town, but I know I'm from out of town. I know that there's literally no chance that I know this man. He doesn't look familiar. I never forget a face. I will always forget your name and never forget your face. So I'm like, no, that's not me. Now, you would think that that's the end of the conversation. My man proceeds to be like, no, you Gerald, right? <laughs> Oh, he gave me a oh, name. He gave me a oh, name. he gave me a oh, name. Oh, my man just named me like I'm a baby. Like, not only am I your grandson, but now we in the hospital, you cutting umbilical cords and giving me names. Now I'm feeling like an infant. You know, again, this is why me and old dudes have an issue with one another because they try to son you. Like, my man tried to grandson me. You named me, bruh. I'm like, um, 
know for sure my name ain't Gerald. And now we just like looking at each other as we walk away. Um, look, y'all, <laughs> I don't know what that mean. Like, I know y'all waiting on me to make some type of connection, how I usually try to like bring it together, you know what I'm saying, and make a point out of it. No, like that's it. Like, I don't got nothing for matter of fact, can you hit me? <laughs> can y'all hit me or email me, shoot me a DM, like Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Let me know what it means, because I don't know. That, like, that's all I got. Like, I'm done. Like, that's, look, I, we, we need to wrap up the show and pray. Like, get up out of here. That, like, that, that's, that's all, all folks. That's all. That's all. All right. That's all, that's Let me try to gather myself. All, it's been a great show, man, and we're going to pray ourselves out and just ask the Lord to help us find our hidden purpose. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We're so grateful you know, just to be able to fellowship again on the show. Thank you for purpose, Lord, and just for the journey and the process and getting to exactly where you're calling us to. And today I'm praying for the listeners out there who are lost on this path and trying to figure out who they are and what they should be doing and how they should be doing. I pray for peace in the name of Jesus for them that they find their purpose in your word, that they don't stop digging and don't stop searching just because it's been two or three years or four or five years or more. It is never too late as long as they have breath in their lungs. And I just pray that they are empowered. In the name of Jesus, cover them, guide them, and protect them, and give them vision along the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today's J. Will music song of the day is called We Are Not the World featuring the Cops. This is from my first album. The end is the beginning of forever. I want you to dance. Please dance on this. Stay fly, keep your head in the clouds We say thank you Jesus for placing our feet on solid ground They only want the world's love, they don't want the hate We understand that we just have to eat what's on our plate They want to starve spirit while they feed flesh They only go to school for the recess They party now but they'll be sick later With the hangover and we stay sober Cause uh -uh, we are not the world Heavy one ain't meant for this 
We don't do the things they do Well we used to But all glory to God Get my mind to renew But I don't brag That's just my testimony You see I've been transformed Cause I'm a to prove I'm secure with myself thank God that I'm healthy but I don't do this for my health I do this for the people who call it edification graduated from college I got my education no hesitating gotta walk with a purpose and I'm walking with God so I don't have to be nervous no I don't have to be perfect to be perfectly honest man I'm just walking in my promise we are not the world Thank you for listening to today's show. Look, do you have feedback? You want to let me know what's on your mind? You got a topic you want to hear? Or you just want to let me know what you thought about today's show? It's easy. Shoot me an email. You can catch me at JermaineWilsonMusic at gmail.com. Again, JermaineWilsonMusic. It's all one word. Let me know what you think. And you like this show, don't you? So you know what you want to do? You want to listen to it at work. You want to listen to it in the gym. Do me a favor. Just search Inspire God's People. You can Google it. You can find it on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere else you listen to music or podcasts. You know what else? You should share this show with someone. Why? Because it's a good show. And if you don't like this show, just act like you like it. 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 Act like you like it.